Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen? And so are you! Welcome, come in, screamers! Step right in, episode 11 of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. I just stepped out of the shower. I'm fresh as a daisy. So let's get dirty, bitches, because tonight, I'll tell you all about the special screening of Wes Craven's new flick, My Soul to Take, and I hope my head won't explode when I'm explaining to you why you shouldn't see it. And then, we're going to introduce a new segment to the show. We're going to unleash a monster from my closet. I wonder who that will be. Maybe it'll be Tom Cruise. So I'm either going to whip out a movie or start a sex scandal. Either way, it's party time, kids. So let's get cooking with gas. In the darkness of a hot summer night in 1873, in the crowded tenements of Manhattan, Nicholas Ryan and his sister Mary were brutally murdered. The savage and bizarre nature of the crime was shocking, even for the notorious Five Points District. The entire city held its breath in fear. The murderer was never found. Living Theatre presents the Lower East Side Murder Mystery, The Ryan Case, based on an actual historical unsolved murder, in which you take the role of detective, searching the bustling streets of modern-day Manhattan, scour dark alleys and seedy lairs to hunt down a host of dubious suspects, search for clues, unearth the truth, bring justice to the slain. Come live out the Lower East Side murder mystery every Saturday night at 6pm all summer long. For more information or to order tickets, visit www.liveintheatre.com or call 212-780-4787. History couldn't catch this fiendish killer. Can you? Howdy, everyone. This is Matt from Deadlantern.com's world-famous Splattercast. Now, when Jeff, DJ, Steve, and myself aren't discussing how Eisenstein's theory of dialectical montage provides a provocative counterbalance to the objective reality of Bazan's mise-en-scene in regards to George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead, we're making horror movies. Our latest film is called Outpost Doom, and it's available right now for the low price of $10, including free shipping. Outpost Doom is a story of two escaped prisoners who find shelter inside an old barn while being hunted by a giant tentacled monster. Once inside, they find a group of survivors who slowly realize that they are being hunted by something far more deadly than the monster outside. The film is a throwback to murder mysteries and horror films of the 30s and 40s. Imagine 12 little Indians with monsters. Eric from the Dark Hours podcast calls it, quote, Night of the Living Dead meets the Creeping Terror, unquote. So how do you get your hands on a glorious copy of this movie? Head on over to DeadLantern.com and order yours for the measly low price of 10 bucks, including that wonderful free shipping. DVD extras include deleted scenes, audio commentaries, and a documentary. Plus, you'll get a special handwritten note by none other than DJ himself. And if that doesn't entice you, consider this. Not only will you be helping to support indie filmmakers and a fellow podcast, but all proceeds go towards helping us make our newest film, Isabel, which is a gory slasher flick. So in effect, buying Outpost Doom makes you a de facto producer on our next film. How cool is that? 
Don't forget to visit Deadlantern.com to view a trailer for Outpost Doom and to purchase your very own copy. I thank you for your time, and we'll catch you on the Splattercast. All right, so be sure to check out Outpost Doom from the guys over at the Dead Lantern Splattercast. And you know, Matt, who's on that commercial that just aired, uh, he also hosts the Blackfoot Lounge podcast, you know, which reviews 80 slasher movies, even though they seem to hate everything that they review. And yeah, you might remember that that's the show that where they keep making fun of me all the time, you know, picking on me and the show and Peaches Christ and all this other stuff. And I just wanted to say to Matt, listen, I held no resentment against you for doing that. And, um, you know, if you weren't so busy quoting Eisenstein's theory of suck my butt and everything, you might know that Agatha Christie's story is called Ten Little Indians, not Twelve, you illiterate fuck! Yeah, I know you sent me a corrected version of the promo, but I figured I'd just show everyone how stupid you are. As the alien from Plan 9 said at his finest moment, STUPID! STUPID 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 STUPID! Oh, and thanks for the screener copy, you cheap bitch. You're a cheap bitch. Okay, well enough about her. Let's talk about fun stuff. Mr. Bradford and I, we just got back from Sunday brunch like we people do. And I've had a few Bloody Marys, so my tongue is a bit loose. Shut up, I didn't mean it that way. Something I wanted to talk about. Uh, last week, Zombard called in and was asking about haunted houses. And I gave some general ideas for uh, what I thought was cool in a haunted house. But just today, I discovered that there is a haunted house attraction right here in NYC. Why do I keep saying NYC? I hate people who say NYC. Right here in New York City. This house has a concept that is so simply brilliant, I have to go. This place is simply called Haunted House. And from what I understand, don't let the name fool you. Here's the thing. You have to walk through this house by yourself. The house is completely dark. You get a little teeny tiny pen light flashlight to guide your way along. And apparently, no one under 18 is permitted. You have to sign a waiver before they let you in. And you have to give them permission that they're going to touch you. Now, from what I'm reading from the reviews, it's supposed to be shit your pants scary. No one will really talk about what's going on inside either, but the reviews I was reading, apparently they give you a safety. Like, if you call safety, they'll let you out, but it seems like everybody that wrote reviews called safety. I have to go. I have to go. So if there are any New York City scream queens out there that want to go with me, let me know. Call the show. Write the show. Tweet me. Whatever. I'm going to try to get a group together. Maybe some of the folks from the meetup group. Maybe some of my other queenie friends. Mr. Brad ain't going to go. He's probably going to drop dead. But maybe he'll hold the camera for the interview afterwards. Who knows? But anyway, check them out at www.nychalloweenhauntedhouse.com. I can't wait. Now, on a more serious note, I did want to take a couple minutes and just talk about, um, well, I've been very upset by the rash of um, suicides, uh, suicides related to bullying of kids presumed to be gay. Uh, and a lot of that is based on my history. I know exactly where these kids are coming from. I was there. I thought about killing myself. 
during my whole incident back in the sixth grade. And uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to episode two. I talk about it during my final, my review of the final. And um, I've decided that since tomorrow is National Coming Out Day, that I'm going to make it a point to finally add my voice to the It Gets Better project. Now, if you don't know what that is, that is um, a project put together by Dan Savage, uh, who writes the Savage Love column that gets that's syndicated all around the country. And he's asked gay people to put together short videos that's being loaded up onto a special YouTube channel. Put out the message to these kids that you're not alone. And uh, that we know things are hard right now. We've all been through it. But things are going to get better, a lot better. And there's help to be had out there. So hold on, baby. And it gets better. Uh, I don't know why I've waited for so long to do this because it, it, the project struck home for me as soon as I heard of it. And I feel that if I don't contribute anything to it, I would be, um, I want to say betraying my community, but it's more than that. It's more like betraying myself. You know, if I had somebody back then that I could have talked to about what was going on, that would have been a huge help, but I didn't. And if I can help somebody, God damn it, I'm going to do it, because that's what scream queens do. Am I right or am I right? I'm right. And if you're interested in the um, finding out more about the It Gets Better project, or perhaps even contributing to it yourself, that would be awesome. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes, so please go check that out. Okay? Okay. All right. You know what? Enough of all these other people and other things. Let's get down to business. Let's talk about horror movies. And tonight's selection, as I said, is My Soul to Take by Wes Craven. I did want to take a quick moment to give a shout out to Holly from the New York City Horror Movies Meetup Group who made the line extremely entertaining. You are sassy, you are funky, you are funny, and... I had a great time hanging out with you. Therefore, you are the Scream Queen of the Week. Yay! Still no tiara for you. Nobody gets my tiara. One of these days, I'm going to crown a Scream Queen of the Week that's not from the New York City Horror Movie Meetups group, but um, y'all are going to have to step up to the plate and start impressing my ass to get it. Now, I got to say, when I saw the trailer for this, like a week ago, I said, why haven't I heard of this yet? What's going on? Oh, it's Wes Craven. How exciting. And I watched the trailer and I went, um... Okay. But it's Wes Craven, and it's in 3D, so it's going to be fun, right? Well, uh, thanks to George over at the New York City Horror Movie Meetup Group, we got free passes for an advanced screening last night. And I said, oh, goody, I'm going to be the first in the block to see it and report it to all the people out there. And, oh, my God, do I have a lot to say. So, um, let's go to the trailer, shall we? Enjoy the calm before the storm. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord. My soul to take. No! My name is Adam Hellerman, but everyone calls me Bug. 
I live in Riverton, Massachusetts, a small town notable for fishing, tourism, and the Riverton Ripper. The Ripper was killed 16 years ago today, the very night that seven of us here were born. Some say we share more than just a birthday. They found Jay Chan in the river this morning. He's dead. Pray for our souls, Bug. He's coming. Hello? There's been no clue as to who this killer might be. If he was evil enough, somebody you thought was dead come back alive? Souls live on. You think the Ripper came back to take his revenge? What if his soul went into one of the seven kids who were born the night he died? Bug? Pray for our souls, Bug. But which one? Do you know who your father was? Take a look in the mirror, Bug. You killed people, Bug. Not that I can remember. You want to mess with someone? Mess with me. Now, before I get started, let me just say, for those of you who want to see the film, I'm not planning on spoiling it. I'm really going to try hard not to spoil it. The thing is, I don't think I can spoil it because I don't think I understood what went on. I mean, I do, but I don't because it's just an erratic, convoluted glop of... Well, okay, let's just talk about it. Let me see if I can summarize this plot. Okay, picture it. Sometime 16 years ago, we meet this father, you know, this guy, this average dude and he's building a rocking horse and it turns out his wife is all expected she comes in she's like oh i love you so much baby when you're coming to bed oh i'm so scared of the ripper turns out this town that they're living in has a serial killer running around he's killed like seven people or something and naturally everybody's concerned so the wife tiles off to bed and he's like la 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 and he finds a knife on the floor and he's like oh my god this is the ripper's knife next thing you know this dude is talking in like 95 different voices he's got the spirit he's like personalities coming out of every orifice in his body. And actually, this part was kind of impressive. And uh, turns out, he's the Ripper. Oh, my God. And he's got multiple personalities. He's on the phone with his doctor. He's like, please help me. Please help me. Please help me. And the doctor's like, I think you should tell your wife. And he's like, I can't. She don't know I'm crazy. Why is everybody Southern when I do this? It's Mr. Brad's influence. Not the point. Let's move on. Okay. So he's like, well, tell her anyway. So he goes, honey, wake up. I got to tell you I'm crazy. Ah! She all dead and stuff. She got her, she's, he's already killed her and doesn't remember doing it. Okay, blah, blah, blah. The police show up, he gets shot, and before he dies, he goes, I'll get you next time. Blah. And everyone's like, what did that mean? Now, meanwhile, over at the hospital during all this, we find out that all these women have suddenly stormed the maternity center because they've all gone into labor. No matter what stage of pregnancy they're at, they're all having babies right now. Now, we flash back to the crime scene where they're wheeling him in the ambulance the ambulance to take him to the hospital to the dead room. And then they're like, oh, my goodness. The EMT is this voodoo woman, and she's all like, my grandmama used to say that, you know, a soul never dies. It could pass on and live on. I don't know what the hell she was saying, but just like basically a big surprise. He gets up and starts attacking everybody. The ambulance crashes, bursts into flames, and, well, he disappears. 
falls in the river and disappears is never seen again. Credits haven't even rolled yet. Or have they? I don't know. I don't remember. Okay, now we flash forward 16 years to the happy town of Riverton, which still commemorates the day the Ripper died with, well, Ripper Day. And hey, Ripper Day is the birthday of all these kids that fell out the mama's pussies at the exact same time. This is just where it starts to get weird, and it hasn't even started yet. You, know, you have this ceremony where you know, the whole town, it's not just these seven kids that do this. It's all of the kids in town do this. It's a tradition that they build a puppet to emulate the Ripper coming out of the river, and symbolically, one of the Riverton Seven is selected to fight the Ripper puppet off and you know keep them safe for another year. Well, this year the police show up before it gets finished, before the ritual finishes, and well, that's bad. So the kid that was supposed to do it this year is our hero, Bug. I forget his real name, but everybody calls him Bug because that's cute. And he ain't right. Everybody knows he ain't right. He's sensitive or whatever. Basically, surprise, the Ripper, uh, the Ripper shows up. The Rivington Seven start dying. And we're left to wonder, is it the Ripper comeback? Or is it Bug? Because Bug starts getting really weird. He starts speaking in tongues himself. Every time one of the kids die, he picks up traits of that kid. And we're like, oh my god, what's going on? And that's where you sit for the rest of the movie going, what the fuck is going on and why do I not care? First of all, they're laying down all this mumbo jumbo that perhaps, and they never even say this directly, I don't think, or if they do it in such a roundabout way, it's not really 100% clear. You're supposed to think that maybe... When the Ripper died 16 years ago, that all of his multiple personalities would whoosh into all those fetuses all around town. So now all these kids that are born at the same time are carrying parts of his soul. And now he's collecting his soul back. So the person who's killing him, possibly Bug, is obtaining all these personalities because he's sucking up their souls. Perhaps. Because other people are kind of doing this too. But nobody's finding it particularly odd. Just like nobody found it odd that seven women just birthed spontaneously and all these kids seem to be convinced that you know they're all very sure in the fact that yeah the ripper's gonna come out and kill us all this is the year uh -huh. but nobody's that concerned about it it's weird it's weird but let's talk actual technical stuff okay okay let's get technical if you're going to see this don't even bother paying for the 3d this is a conversion and it doesn't do anything for the film at all Nothing. There's nothing coming at you, and even this, the background has no depth to it. So you might as well be watching it in 2D. Save your money. Save your money and don't see the movie, but that's, I'm not there yet. Let's do the compliment sandwich. What's interesting with this film is that the teenagers in it are actually played by teenagers instead of 30-year-olds pretending to be freshmen in high school. Nightmare on Elm Street remake. I'm pointing at you. And this kind of was disconcerting for a while. I'm looking at them going, why is everybody 11 years old? And I'm like, oh, they're actually age appropriate. I see. That's novel. While this was neat, it also had some problems because they were teenage actors. And, you know, those couple of years of experience, dude, it shows. It's hard to tell if the delivery's flat or the writing is stilted because it is. Every line's just come out and they just lay there and you're like, ooh, that was awkward. To be perfectly honest, this whole thing felt like a Christopher Pike novel with bad words. Because let's be honest here, Wes has done this before, am I right? Am I right? Deadly Friend was an R.L. Stein novel, I think, wasn't it? Or Christopher Pike, they're interchangeable. You know what I mean, it was a teeny bopper novel that he made into an R-rated film. So there's precedent! I think they really missed their market here. This would have made a fine PG-13 movie for teenagers who aren't really into horror and 
They would have made a lot of money, but they forced it into an R rating. They slapped it with this 3D that doesn't work. And so the whole thing feels off. The, like I said, the violence... I didn't say it all. The violence in this is rather tame. It's too tame for an R, but it's too harsh for PG-13. The language is way too harsh for PG-13, but the whole story's just soft. The scares aren't hard enough. The gore's not going to impress anybody. The 3D's not going to impress anybody. Who is this movie for? Not for me, not for you. Compliment sandwich. The kid who plays Bug, I actually liked him a lot. A lot of times he's just very monotone and very quiet. And you're thinking, wow, this is a really boring actor. But when he starts peeking in tongues, you're like, ooh, this movie's going somewhere. This movie's going somewhere, but then it never runs far enough with anything to make it interesting. And then there's the end. The end is such a convoluted mess that goes on and on and on and on. And talky, talky, talky. I'm going, was this the first draft? Did you shoot the first draft of this? Because this makes no sense. It was like it was written by junior high school kids and not Wes Craven. Maybe he's regressing. I don't know. But this is such a misfire. It might be interesting to watch on DVD just to say, wow, there was potential here, but it never achieved anything close to it. And the 3D, especially towards the end, becomes a burden. What does that mean? Well, during the climactic fights, chase, endless monologues, there's a lot of quick cut action. You know, pang, 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 pang with the camera moves. The problem being, it's in 3D now. It's been converted to 3D, and when you're doing quick cuts like that, every time you do that with 3D glasses on, it takes your eyes an extra couple of fractions of seconds to adjust. So a lot of times, I was just watching blurs for 30 seconds, fighting each other. I'm like, okay, the big black blurb is attacking the big blonde blurb, I think. And in the end, I didn't care. However, there's a reason for the gays out there to go see this. Two words. Raul Esparza. Raul Esparza plays the killer dad at the beginning. Are you dying yet? Are you dying? Okay, straight people who are going, who the fuck is Raul Esparza? Raul Esparza is a Broadway golden boy. Broadway musical golden boy. The man can just, he could just be sitting in the audience for a show and he'll get a Tony Award for it. He can walk past the theater and then be like, here's your award. And the award for best pedestrian goes to Raul Esparza. Congratulations, congratulations. So this is an odd bit of casting. He's good in it. He's really good, but I'm going, how'd this come out? Did you confuse Wes Craven with Stephen Sondheim? Because they're both really old. And stuff. Anyway, there's not much else to say about this movie. Oh, by the way, no titties, straight boys. No titties. So there's really not a lot of reason to see it. Unless you have some teenager in your family that, you know, one of those Twilight kids. Maybe kind of move them up into grown-up horror. But, oh! I burped. Now, I saw a review of this on, uh, or a clip of a review of this on uh, RottenTomatoes.com that said, possibly the worst thing that Wes Craven has ever done. I'm not going to say that this is good, but it's not that bad. It's not that bad, because Wes Craven also did The Hills Have Eyes Part 2. Has anybody seen that? That is a piece of shit. This is just a misfire. And I think um, my final review of the movie, I'm going to turn over to Frank, who, when exiting the theater, exclaimed, My soul to take! More like my ass to take! Well said, Frank. Well said. Dum, da da
So as I promised in the intro tonight, I'm going to be introducing a new segment to the show. <gasps> Gasp! <gasps> Excitement! <gasps> Wonder! <gasps> Gas again. But, you know, never mind. That seems to be a theme for the evening. Episode 11, Gas. But this is not the point right now. The point is this new segment, which I'm calling, called, Out of My Closet. As a title, it doesn't sound scary, but believe me, if you saw what was in there, you'd be screaming. Unfortunately, I didn't have the time to whip up a cool sounder for this, but next time, I promise I'll have one, and maybe even one of you will send me in something. That would be even better. But regardless, what is going to come out of my closet? Well, what's coming out is one of those movies that I love or influenced me greatly as a kid or fucked my shit up beyond all recognition. And this movie tonight is falling into that last category. The movie tonight is called Brotherhood of Satan from 1971. This used to run all the time on TV when I was a kid, and it scared the living shit out of me. And my brother used to torture me with things from it. He would imitate parts of it and make me scream and cry and stuff, because that's what you do when you're 17 years older than a kid. You just make him cry as much as possible. Poor me. Up until last night, I had not seen this since I was maybe seven years old. I remembered next to nothing. There were some images that scared the shit out of me that I remembered, but the plot, not so much. So I was kind of concerned that maybe this wasn't going to live up to my memory, or maybe I just feel like a fool for being scared of it in the first place. And yet, I have to make a confession here. There was a little part of me, the little boy still inside Patrick and not in a dirty way, shut up. What I mean is... Part of me was still scared as hell to see this movie again. <laughs> so, yeah, this was very exciting. Let's take a listen to the trailer, shall we? Of course we shall. You ever say no? And if you do, I don't, can't hear you. So, <laughs> who cares? There are things in heaven and on earth beyond the comprehension of man. Call them what you will. The occult. Witchcraft. Satan! Behold thy supplicants! Devil worship. Arise and come in, child. Enter for yet another lifetime in the Brotherhood of Satan. slaughtered in a little over 72 hours. Six families wiped out. All those kids missing. A story of contemporary family witchcraft in California. Witches. Black artisans, celebrants of the Black Mass. Each missing child was in a specific age group from six to nine. Come in, children. blood sacrifice, the unholy ritual. It's all here, 
as a coven of witches holds a California town in the grip of terror. Satan, help us! Okay, that's the Brotherhood of Satan. Um, well, after watching it, I discovered, while not as scary as I remembered, it's still pretty fucking freaky. And in choosing this movie to review, I learned something about myself. I learned something about myself. Now, this past February on the Drunken Zombie Show, that was Patrick History Month. I sent them a whole bunch of my favorite movies to review. One of the movies that I sent them to review was Satan's Cheerleaders. And I discovered whenever I was trying to write them about Satan's cheerleaders, I always mistyped it wrong. I always typed in Stan's cheerleaders, which is a whole different movie that I would also want to see. I find I still have this problem. Because as I was trying to do the webpage for this, I kept typing in The Brotherhood of Stan. I also want to see that movie. What is my subconscious trying to tell me? Are guys named Stan in league with Satan? That makes Mr. Roper make a lot more sense. Let's get back to the movie, okay? Okay. Okay. Okay, the movie, like I said, is 1971, so everyone's got this very late 60s vibe. You know, very beige, iridescent lipstick, very wide headbands on the women, very high falls, and very macho, macho men. But anyway, the movie opens on the close-up of a toy tank. And it's, you know, a robot, you know, mechanical Toy tank, and it's spinning around, the lights are flashing, and it's pew, 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 pew. Now, in the next shot, it's like you're looking, you're, it's as if the camera, the camera is sitting in the driver's seat of a car, station wagon, looking at the window, as the car, as the car is being crushed by an actual tank. And you're not hearing any, you're not seeing any of the people inside, but you're hearing them. You're hearing daddy like, I can't get this door open. Good lord, the door won't open. Mom's like, oh, we have to get out. Oh, we have to get out. We're the children. And the kid's like, ah, we're gonna die. Ah, we're gonna die. And basically for the next minute or so, you're seeing, you're hearing this family being crushed by a tank in the station wagon. And what's pretty awesome is that the tank drives over them once, and he turns around, hears the kids still screaming, and backs over the fucking thing again. And you're like, okay, what just happened? Then out of the wreck of the car comes a little kid and a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. Very village people. You know, 10 years before the village people. Very fashion forward. Not a scratch on him. Who picks up his toy tank and walks away. Full-size tank, nowhere to be found. And waiting for him in the hills is three or four other creepy little kids. Just standing there in silence like creepy little kids do. Little blonde girl with a music box. Which starts to play as the credits roll. Okay, for a way to open up a movie, this was fucked up. This was fucked up right here. I'm like, okay, what the fuck just happened? Well, we don't get an answer for a long time. Actually, we never really get an answer, but that's not the point right now either. Let me get into the story here. Now, we open up on a birthday party, and um, and we meet our main characters. It's this widowed 60s studly man named Ben and his hot, buxom, blonde girlfriend, Nikki, and she is smoking in this bikini that she's wearing in this opening scene. Let me tell you, boys, even I wanted a titty fucker. Not the point right now. And they're having a birthday party for his daughter, KT. Not Katie, KT. Like the sunshine man, but without the C, but a T. I'm off topic. Anyway, after the topic, after the birthday party, they go to the beach and they make out for a really long time. And I'm enjoying it because you can kind of see up Daddy Ben's shorts. Very far. You don't see anything, but it was just the the possibility that you might that was exciting. And straight guys, like I said, this girl's body is rocking. She's a total MILF. 
What would be what would be the acronym for that? Mom, that gay men like to fuck. Mm, I don't know. I can't spell. Anyway, now they get in the car and they're driving. Where are they going? We don't know. Nobody's really said anything yet. This is where I started to worry because the scene in the car has no dialogue. It's just them driving, listening to music. And it goes on for about 87 minutes. I kept thinking, are they ever going to talk? But no, it's just all this music. Still nothing happening. And I'm like, for Christ's sake! God! Finally, they come across the car that's been crushed, and they're like, ah! This car's been crushed, and there's body parts sticking out, and toys, and it's like, oh my goodness gracious. So, you know, there's no cell phones, because it's 1970-whatever, so they have to find the nearest town, and the nearest town is the unfortunate cursed town of Hillsboro. And as soon as they arrive, you immediately know that it's one of those weird little towns with an awful little secret, because there's no pretense of hospitality. There's no, oh, aren't aren't we charming? Please make yourself comfortable while we plot to kill you. Oh, no, no, right away, it's Weirdsville. They pull in to the sheriff's department, get out, immediately the sheriff jumps on them, pulls a gun on them, like, who the hell are you? How'd you get in here? Next thing you know, all the townspeople are running like, oh my god, who's this? And they're running around the car and they're banging on the windows. It's a complete clusterfuck. Some guy dressed like Fatella Castro is like coming after them with an axe. They get in the car and they drive off and, and Nikki, the girlfriend, goes, they're all mad. And you're like, yeah, they were. What the fuck was that all about? Now they don't get too far when all of a sudden one of those creepy kids that you saw at the beginning is standing there in the road with their music box and they go, ah, they drive off the road and they crash. And they have to go back. And we discover that they're trapped there. Not only they're trapped there, everybody's trapped there. For weeks now, before this incident, nobody has been able to come into or leave the town of Hillsboro. Why? Nobody knows. The local priest is starting to think there might be some sort of demonic influence. And that's all we find out at this point. It's not until halfway through the movie, or if you listen to the trailer, that you find out that over the past two weeks, 26 people have died. Like six families completely wiped out. Well, almost completely. All these families had a kid or two that are missing. And all the kids are within the six to nine age, or maybe six to eight, whatever. A very specific age bracket. If the kids were older, they're dead. If they're younger, they're dead. And nobody knows what's happening. And slowly, all these pieces start to come together. What's interesting about this movie, they don't throw everything at you at once. You get it in dribs and drabs and dribs and drabs in an intelligent way, which, of course, I appreciate. They give you information not when you think you need it, but when they decide you need it. And it has you on the edge of your seat like, what the fuck was that? What was that? What was that? Now you understand why everybody in town was freaking out when they arrived because nobody's been able to get in for two weeks. What's so special about them? What's so special about them indeed? How old are you, Katie? Happy birthday. Anyway, pretty soon we learn through what I call the sacrificial family, you know, the family that you're introduced to for five minutes before they croak, that everybody's apparently being killed by their children's toys, which not only come to life, but get really fucking big, which makes me glad that Bratz dolls weren't around back then because those things freak me out as it is. I don't need a giant one in my house coming after me. Well, the sacrificial family, um... The kids are fine. They're playing. They get sent to bed. As soon as they go to sleep, the weird shit happens. The girl starts talking to her doll. The doll leaves her room, kills her parents. The kids go zombie and just walk out of the house to meet the other creepy kids who are standing in silence outside the house. And off they go. Where they go, we don't know yet. 
This scene in particular could have been really stupid because I don't know exactly how this doll killed him. He just looked at them and they hemorrhaged and freaked out and gyrated and everything. And it should have been funny, except that they used the creepiest, ugliest fucking doll ever. So while the modern 21st century cynic in me wanted to laugh at it, the little kid in me was like, eh, icky doll, icky doll. So these kids are being rounded up, not surprisingly, to service a satanic cult in town. You know, like you have. Actually, not in town. They're all a satanic cult that's gathering in town for a ritual that's done every hundred years or so. I don't know. I just threw out a number. What the ritual is, I'm not going to say, but it involves a bunch of old, really old Satanists and a bunch of kids. You might say it's a sacrifice. You'd be half right. I'm not going to tell you what happens because this was the ending of this is really twisted and great. The kids are being rounded up. Eventually, this girl KT disappears, and the race is on. Find KT, find the kids before anyone else dies. Of course, more people do. And now we're starting to get into some of the imagery I remembered. Picture of this that stuck in my mind was kids dressed in like communion wear, you know, little white gowns, little white suits, or little formal suits, standing on pedestals frozen with blank expressions like mannequins while all these old satanists were just mulling about they're having their party while all these kids are frozen on pedestals and that scared the hell out of me again the modern cynic says well that's kind of stupid what big deal it's a bunch of kids standing around well shut the fuck up modern cynic some of us are trying to enjoy the movie why don't you go tweet somebody or something Now, shortly before the climax of the film, after KT has disappeared, they realize that there's only one child of that age bracket left in town, so they're kind of pulling out all the stops to protect this kid, which, of course, doesn't work. And this is when I started to remember something. It's actually the child, uh, the son of the guy who was wearing, who was kind of dressed like Fidel Castro earlier in the film, showing him asleep on the couch while the kid opened the door, the spooky kids are there, and he leaves. But as he leaves, he drops his toy that's and it was a a knight on horseback and all of a sudden i went cold because i started to remember like this was something that made me have nightmares forever and i sat chewing the furniture for the next five minutes until the father finally got killed and really all it was the, the knight comes to life of course and chops the father's head off and you see it in a silhouette on the side of a barn scared the piss out of me Again, as an adult, I'm like, meh, you didn't see any blood, meh. But the little kid inside was, ah, 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 peeing the bed for the next six months. Telling a therapist about this down the line. And then when it got to the finale of the film, what actually happens at the ritual, I remembered it wasn't the, the night on horseback that gave me the real nightmares. It wasn't the kids on the pedestal. It's what happened at the ritual. Because it's pretty freaky and it's not what you expect. Anyway, I still think it's a great movie. Some of the things I like about it is the Satanist himself. Like the leader of the Satanist is an actor by the name of, give me a second, uh, Struther Martin, who I had to look up afterwards because I liked him so much. And when I did, I'm glad I did, because it turns out he's got a huge film career. He was in great things like True Grit and The Wild Bunch, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, just credit after credit after credit. And when it's not an awesome movie, it's an awesome TV show. Pick a classic TV show. He was on it a million times. All of them. Apparently, he couldn't do a TV show in Hollywood without hiring this guy. And I could see why. He's great. He plays the town doctor, and he's all charming and nice and everything. But, aha! He's the leader of the Satanists. And I'm not spoiling anything because you find that out almost immediately after you meet him. And what I liked about him was that his Satanist leader was really quiet. 
Normally, when you see a Satanist ritual in the movies, it's always, Oh, Lord Satan, you come down upon me and slay my enemies! And yelling and screaming in theatrics, but the sky was all really quiet. Yes, rise, my child, and be welcomed into the Brotherhood of Satan. Just very, very casual. Very like your grandpa, saying Merry Christmas. Ah, Merry Christmas, Patrick. Merry Christmas and welcome to the Brotherhood of Satan. And I appreciate that. And there's a great scene with the old Satanists when they're, they're having their congregation first meeting, the little social party beforehand. You know, you can't just have a ritual. Got to have some cocktails first and some hors d'oeuvres. Just because you're Satanist doesn't mean you have no tact. Doesn't mean you're not, your party's not going to end up in the society column. But they're all meeting and all of a sudden one woman arrives and you know that she's a badass because they announce her and the whole room goes quiet. If a record was playing, it would have gone... Bruh! And she's going up to everybody like, oh, hello, it's so nice to see you again, wonderful, and nobody's talking to her. And I'm like, oh, dear. Oh, dear. And she finally gets to one group of women, they're like, oh, hi, it's so great to see you. Oh, I'm like, oh, this is even worse. Like, we have someone to introduce you to, and out pops this, you know, hot 30-something redhead amongst the sea of old people. And she's like, hi, I'm Darla. I just made that name up. And I'm like, ooh, you're about to get the Eve Harrington treatment. And I know all you straight people are like, what the fuck does that mean? You know what? I'm not explaining it. But basically, <laughs> hi, I'm your replacement. That turns out this woman created this cardinal sin among Satanists, and they're going to be killing her ass that night. And they do. And it's a great scene. It's a great movie. I recommend this. This was funny, too, because when I saw it in the video store, you know, it was on sale for four bucks. And I just saw the title, and I went cold. Like, I got the, the oogies up the back of my spine. Little boy was still like, eh. I'm like, I must buy it. Then the little boy's like, no, put it down. Put it down. The whole way up to the counter, the whole way home, hitting the pause button, I kept going, turn it off, 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 turn it off. And I realized a lot of it's nostalgia, but I think it's a great movie. It's weird. It doesn't go any way that you expect it to. Considering all these people who worked on it are from TV, that's very surprising. You know, Almost all the actors have these huge TV credits. The director was a TV director, so you expect it to feel like a TV movie and giving you a nice, easy plot that's all handed to you in nice, easy chunks with a nice, tied up neatly in a bow package ending. And you get none of that. And you get one of those creepy ass, la, 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 creepy child singing scores, which always give me diarrhea. And if they were to remake this movie today, which I don't recommend. It would be so overloaded with explanation. Like, every single thing would have to be explained in livid detail. Like, why does the little girl hold the music box? Why Why the toys? Why this town? What's with that fucked up birthday cake? What happened at the end? Oh, why did they know that girl was coming? Oh, I bet she'd have to have some kind of relationship. She's really the daughter of one of the Satanists. And all that bullshit. And none of that's there. What doesn't need to be explained is not explained, and by not explaining it, it's scarier. You don't like it? Fuck you! Tell the Brotherhood of Satan, I give this a huge recommend! And you know that cute thing I do when I usually tie the music in between, in between sections to the movie in some really clever way? Well, this one has some instructions to it, because it's not really about the Brotherhood of Satan at all, but I keep finding myself singing this song and sticking the words Brotherhood of Satan into the title of the song when it comes up in the chorus. So feel free to do so when it comes around. Do it or I'll kill you!
brotherhood of Satan The brotherhood of Ophelian Good The brotherhood of moving Uh-huh Now you do it! Do it! The brotherhood of Satan Satan, Satan in the hood. Hey, hey, Patrick, little Mikey, yet again. Hey, Mikey. And took in another double shot of Scream Queens. That's with a Z. Damn right. And uh, it was episode seven and eight. So yet again, behind. Oh well. You're getting but, there, baby. You're getting there. You know, 2D not supposed to be told story, but told story regardless. You know what? I don't care how tough of a guy you are. Hell, macho dudes like myself, you don't just go around waving kitty litter scoopers at them. Because you know what? Cats, <laughs> they're adorable, okay? I'm going to say it. Cats are cute. But you know what? The negative nature of cats have to come out somewhere. So it's either through hairballs or really smelly fucking shit. And that's uh-huh. why uh-huh. kitty litter scooping scoops, they can probably be used as street-legal lethal weapons. That's just terrifying. I'm sorry. Anybody that doesn't fear that, they don't know the nature of fear itself. It's the truth. And wow, in these two episodes alone, you really took a bullet for us, man, with your coverage on the two Fangoria Film Festival. Yeah. (laughs) Although, I do have to say this about Dark House. Or wait, no, it wasn't Dark House. I, I forget what the film it was in reference to. Pig hunt. But you know what? Every news media organization out there, no matter what one it is, they have covert photos of you, me, everybody masturbating. I mean, they have file photos for that everywhere. So you know what? That's what? your abject lesson, listeners. Don't fuck up because somewhere out there, your local or international news outlet is going to pull that photo of you wanking or flicking the magic bean and this is going to be all over the damn place. All right? So keep your shit straight, people, okay? And as for Pig Hunt and your title faux pas, or at least Brad's title faux pas. By the way, hi again, Brad. Big Hunt. Hi, I'm going to say this. Any movie starring China Doll, it should automatically be given the alternative title of Big Hunt. You see what I mean. And honestly, to the bonus content of ordering a deluxe version of Spirit Camp. You know what? Knowing my luck, if I sent out the money and got the signed panties, it would be the panties that were intentionally mensied in. Yeah. Ew! Not exactly a collector's item I'd be all that interested in. But anyway, Patrick, as always, a fun time was had by me, Metal Mikey, the Metal Mikey, not somebody pretending to be him or Rubble Mikey. <laughs> and a great time was had by me listening to Scream Queens. Keep it up, Aww. and I can't wait to catch up again. <laughs> yeah, because that's going to happen totally. Take it easy, Patrick, and I'll catch you later, all right? Bye. Okay, um, did I watch a masturbation movie and not remember it? What are you talking about? What, flicking the magic bean? I never flick my magic bean! I plant it in the garden, and beanstalks grow out of it. I, I, what are you talking about? You know what? I don't know. What, I don't want to know what you're talking about. Solid advice, ladies and gentlemen, from the Metal Mikey. Don't masturbate. 
to the spy satellites. Although, you know, I have a dream that someday people's minds will be open enough that a picture of somebody spanking it or flicking it or eating it or doing whatever to it, getting down with it and or just getting funky with somebody, when pictures of those show up, it's not going to be a big deal. Just be like, wow, that's a human being doing what human beings do. And then we'll all join hands and sing, hands across America. Hands that we used to play with ourselves. I'll stop singing now. It's too early in the morning. Anyway, thanks for calling in, Mikey. You're awesome. Oh, hello. My name is Conchita Hassenfepper. And I'm calling today to talk to you about the scary story. Movie at the side, the movie theater place. Okay, see, um, my husband said, oh, Conchita, there's a new Walt Disney movie out. Do you want to go? And I said, oh, yes, I do, yes, I do, because I love the Walt Disney movie shows. And so we go, and it's a movie called Secretariat. And I'm like, oh, boy, it's about office work, and I love typing and stuff, so I was excited. <laughs> but then the movie stopped, and it's a terrible monster movie. See, because it's all about this monster. It's played by Sam Jessica Parker. And she goes clumping oh, around no. with her hooves and me like, oh, every time she's on screen, I'm screaming and crying. And then, and then the John Malkovich, he keep putting a saddle on her and riding her around everywhere. And I'm like, oh, make it stop, make it stop. Because I'm afraid of the John Malkovich, too, you know, because he look like he smell like pee. <laughs> I can smell him through the screen. I can tell he smells like pee. No, so he riding Sarah Jessica Parker all around in the movie show. Ew. And I keep hiding my eyes because I'm so scared. And then my husband, oh, damn it, wait, it's over, damn it, wait, it's over. And he goes, okay, she's gone now. And I look up and she's still there. And I'm like, ah! And then he slapped me in the face. But I... <laughs> it's so funny when he does that. <laughs> oh, oh, but also I'm calling because I wanted to give you a little public service announcement. Oh, this okay. Monday, October 11th, is Colombo Day. And on Colombo Day, we celebrate Christopher Colombo, who discovered yogurt. So on this Colombo Day, <laughs> celebrate in a traditional way by eating lots and lots of Colombo brand yogurt products. Uh, and yes, also watch yes. lots of Peter Falk reruns on television. And remember, <laughs> that juicy morsel that you find at the bottom of your yogurt cup might be a raspberry, or it could be the blood clot that fell out of your nose when you weren't looking. <laughs> no, I'm serious, that happened to me once. I picked down on it, it was all crunchy, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> well, thank you, Ms. Hossenfair, for calling in again. Yes, that, that's, um, that's a memorable way that's too... Commemorate the holiday. Um, yes, I'll definitely look out for that when I eat my yogurt, that I don't drop a big blood booger into it. Um, yeah, I'm afraid of Sarah Jessica Parker, too. That bitch scares the hell out of me. Man, I got so much dirt on her that I can't share with you guys on the airwaves because I'll get hunted down and murdered. But you know what I hate about her? You know what I hate about her is the style that she introduced to everybody this summer because I'm sure it came from her. I'm sure it came from her. Those fucking shoes that all the ladies are wearing that look like, you know, Roman gladiator warrior shoes. And I'm guessing she wore them in Sex in the City too because they look like something you'd be tromping around in the desert with. You know, on, on some girls, they look good. If you have nice, pedicured, 
pretty feet. But I'm sorry. I keep getting stuck on the subway surrounded by all these women with like big horrible moose feet, you know? And they got like, either they got all these mushed up toes because the dances and their ex dances from the ballet and they got all these fucked up toes that look like a big, you know, blooming onion from the, the Outback Steakhouse hanging out of the end of their shoe. Or they got some hoof. Hanging out. Like all the dirt from tromping around the city caught up under their nails. I don't want to see them. Fuck you, Sarah Jessica Parker. Fuck your hooves. And fuck you for sucking the soul out of Matthew Broderick. Allegedly. Allegedly. Gotta cover my ass. Okay, so uh, there's no other voicemail this week. No, I discovered a couple of days ago that the voicemail line is down for some reason. Where uh, Mr. Brad is working diligently on it. And it hopes to be. I hope to have it up soon. So, um... Please be patient. Uh, it, it's not a show without a call from Zombard. Are you out there, Zombard? Won't you call in, Mr. Zombard? Won't you call in? I'm sitting by the phone. Wait, did I just say I wasn't singing anymore? I lied to you. I lied to you. Okay. Um, I also just wanted to thank Robert Best out there, author Robert Best, author of the uh, Lakewood Memorial Zombie Trilogy novels, for just all those encouraging tweets. All week long about how this show's the best horror podcast out there. One of them, anyway. I'm, I'm honored, and I still go, every time I see them. And then retweet them like crazy. So, I'm sorry to say that I forgot to mention this last time, but on the Turner Movie Classics channel, for the entire month of October, on Friday night, starting at 8 o'clock Eastern Time, Lord knows what other time, they're screening four, four movie marathon chunks of classic Hammer House of Horror movies. So it's been great. I, like I told you, I cut my teeth on these with my brother when I was a wee little lad. And uh, first weekend was four back-to-back Christopher Lee Dracula movies. And it was really fun to watch. It was really nostalgic. And they, they turned out to be really well-made movies. And I feel really cool for watching them. So please, set your DVRs. All kinds of cool stuff coming down the pike there. Oh, and I had some people asking me on Twitter, what's Chain Letter? which is a movie I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, and I was saying there was a glut of movies coming into the theaters this month. They said, we haven't heard of that one. And I said, I don't know much about it either. I've just seen posters for it on the subway. So I went and I watched the trailer. And the first thing the trailer said was, a new thriller from the mind of Dion Taylor. Like, I was supposed to know who that is. I'm like, who the fuck is Dion Taylor? I've never heard of him. And the other person who does that from the mind of is M. Night Shyamalan. So already this is not... Boating well with me. And it's a slasher movie, you know, about breaking a chain letter and, you know, the kids get killed who break it. And it says things in the trailer like, a terrifying throwback to the glory days of 90s slasher movies. And I said, 90s slasher movies? Were those glory days? Did I miss that? What, 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 what movies are you thinking about here? Urban Legend? I still know what you did last summer? These, these were not salad days. As far as scary movies goes. So I did a little IMDBing and I discovered that Dion Taylor is responsible for torturing me with dead tone. Yeah, remember that a couple of weeks ago in the crapshoot, the movie that had me so mad I was screaming into the microphone? Okay, that doesn't really narrow it down, but I did not enjoy that film. And it turns out apparently this one's even worse. The reviews are awful, but this movie's even older than Dead Tone. That movie sat on the shelf for two years. Apparently this has been shitting. Shit in there? Yeah, shit in there for five years. This movie was made before Dead Tone. So he was... It's apparently a huge piece of shit, so don't go! If you're thinking about going, please, please don't go into the theater! Stay home! Watch the Hammer House of Horrors.
they're good for you. So I think that about wraps it up for this week. Hey, you guys really did a good job. You apparently annoyed uh, Brian from Drunken Zombie enough that he's finally got his movie to watch and come and review with me. So if you want to play along at home, we're going to be watching Hellbent, the 2002 gay slasher movie. Let's see how Straight Boy does with that one, huh? And in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with me, you can call me on my hopefully functioning voicemail, hopefully soon-to-be-functioning voicemail, at 347-767-3509. You can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. You can tweet me on the Twitter. You can like me on the Facebook. And you, can, and you can just be the coolest listeners ever. So until next time, continue to rock the world of those around you. Oh, and have a great uh, Columbus Day weekend. Yay, three-day weekends. Except please, please, please just stay out of cabins in the woods. Stay away from summer camps. Stay away from cannibal hillbillies, killer piranha, or demonically infested farm animals. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, Yeah, yeah, Columbus might have discovered America, but he still couldn't find my G-spot. Bye! Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches!